Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Well, good afternoon to you. It is noon here in Sydney, so it's time for the call. Ten companies picked by you, two expert guests all over the space of one hour. It's great to have you on board. I'm just sitting in for, for David Koshkashi today, and I've got great guests. Here with me in studio, we have Ben Clark. He's joining us from TMS Capital. And because he is Perth-based via Skype, Carl Capulinga from Think Market. So we've got two great guests. One can talk to us about fundamentals and technicals, and uh, we'll get plenty of views, no doubt, on this list of stocks that have been provided by you. They're an interesting sort of motley, motley crew of companies that we'll get through over the next hour. Don't forget, you can email us your ideas at uh, the call at osbiz.com.au. Uh, I've nominated stock of the day being Iris because you couldn't look past the share price move today. I will timestamp this um, in just saying that Iris shares are still up by 9%. So it comes even as it poured cold water on reports in the media that Baron Joey, so you know that investment bank that everyone's talking about, is on the hunt for as much as a 10% stake in Iris shares on behalf of a client. But in a statement to the market, the company says that it has not received any direct approach and that it is not in a position to comment further. So again, shares were up higher than this nine and a quarter percent, but still that is a big move for Iris on the day. Ben, I'm going to start with you because we were having a bit of a chat yesterday after the close Mm. about some of the M&A activity that we're seeing you know, in the tech space, generally speaking, I mean, Iris is not pure sort of infotech, but it's it, yeah. it plays in that space. Yeah. So first of all, on this uh, rumor in the in the financial pages today, I mean, it's it's completely plausible that somebody's looking to take a ten percent stake, correct? I, I think there is definite truth behind this rumor. I think you know, it's it seems quite factually based. Apparently, fund managers were rung up last night, sort of saying, would they be willing to sell some of their stock? Um, you know, so there's a raid on and um, Iris has sort of said we don't know anything. It's because they don't probably know anything. Yeah. This looks like another potentially more hostile sort of attempt um, to have a crack at Iris. It's an interesting business, Iris. It, it doesn't get discussed a lot. It was sort of probably one of the first tech businesses that actually really listed on the exchange. Mm-hmm. And um, we know the business really well because we use it every day. As do we. As do you. And, you know, as Carl does probably as well. Um, 
you put it in the much more mature category um, that has been struggling to find growth. It, it's battling some headwinds, particularly with a lot of advisors leaving the industry and turning off iris screens. Um, but it's got a really good wealth management. It's, it's kind of got, you, you can see what an acquirer could be interested in. It's got a UK business which has struggled. Yeah. It's got a mortgage business. It's got a really good financial planning business. And then it's got a markets business. So, you know, splitting it up, dicing, maybe it's a private equity player. Do you own any Iris? Have you owned Iris? We, we do own a bit of Iris. Okay. Um, uh, not a great deal, I would say. But um, uh, it, it's one that's long looked interesting and looked cheap, but there's never really been a catalyst for, you know, sort of a re-rate. Um, yeah. And, you know, as, as I was saying, there, there is a headwind that's kind of a structural change that is going to happen over the next few years in Australia where advisor numbers are forecast to potentially even halve. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a lot of screens that will get um, switched off, but it dominates the industry. Um, it's um, really got no competition. And for the advisors who are sticking around, it's inconceivable to, to leave Iris. So it's very sticky um, and can put up its prices pretty regularly. Carl, do you use your Iris terminal? Do you have an Iris terminal? What do you think of the company? Yeah, uh, look, actually, I, I have used Iris many times over the years in, in my various roles. I don't actually use it now. Look, there are some other competitors, the main, um, you know, market news and data terminals, probably Bloomberg. Um, Iris has priced itself as a, as a main competitor to that, but with the probably similar pricing. And you, you tend to, um, it's like the old Ford versus Holden debate, isn't it? And some people uh, love Ford and love love Holden. So, yeah, look, um, ben, everything Ben said is correct. They, I, I think, look, I totally believe that there is uh, something going on based upon uh, the rumours and the share price performance. It doesn't have a huge short sell float. So the first thing I looked at when I saw this huge price um, jump today, I mean, got to nearly $13 is, was there a massive short interest? And maybe that's explaining this this huge price jump. And there actually isn't. There's a, there's a very, very small um, short flight out there. So that's got nothing to do with it. So there probably is something going on there. Look, it's probably the right time to have a look at Iris because, uh, you know, as Ben said, they've, they've achieved, they've, they've kind of invested all this money over many, many years to get themselves to a point where they are this global operation, you know, it's software as a service, you know, um, great cash flows, great margins, and they're kind of set now to to accomplish many of their pre-stated goals. They haven't been able to do a lot of those things because they've been digesting some big acquisitions over the last couple of years, and maybe we're just at the cusp, and, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, so maybe a beholder is uh, seeing some beauty there. I think with the price jump today, I mean, we need to get to a buy, hold, and sell. With the price jump today, it's looking far less attractive than it did yesterday. Um, if there was to be a bid on the table, you know, I would think probably around about 13 is the level you're starting to get into that sort of 30 times an average of this year through to sort of the next two or three years earnings. I don't think it could, it could go for much more than that, given that the growth in the business is probably high single digits, uh, low double digits. So given that the jump it's had, I'm not a buyer at this price. If you had it, you, of course, you'd, you'd hang on to it and see what you might get out of it. Ben, does this also open up that conversation about the type of M&A activity that we've been seeing in the tech space in yeah. Australia? I mean, just recently, Hanson Technologies, Altium as well. And, you know, you could put that there's other companies that are potentially live M&A uh, or takeover targets on the list. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, tech's obviously been a bit out of favour this year. Yeah. Um, um, a lot of tech stocks um, are cheaper than they have been for some time. 
A lot of the tech companies have also had COVID issues, you know, that whereas a lot of domestic businesses have flourished under COVID, um, companies like Altium, you know, have, have had a hard time. Appen as well. Appen is basket. another one. Um, and, and Zero, you know, have had, it hasn't turned out to be issues, but there were big concerns about, you know, the health of small business and whether they'd be able to keep going in a COVID environment. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I guess there's two commonalities here with, say, Altium. The first is the hostile intent of it. Um, you know, we actually spoke to Altium last night and, you know, one thing we took away from it was it was, you know, you always read the unsolicited bit in the mm. bid. This really was out of nowhere and um, very little engagement with the company. Um, and um, the company, I think, is um, sort of somewhat bemused that there wasn't even a conversation about it before leaking it to the press on the Monday that they'd given them a letter on the Sunday. So, um, you know, this looks like it's a similar nature. Um, you know, some chest beating going on out there and um, we haven't seen an M&A thing. But when you speak to guys who work in M&A, they're like, it's never been busier. Yeah, right. There's more to come. Okay, so um, Altium, now that I've got you and you've been speaking with the chair, yeah. great time. I mean, yeah. they've knocked back that offer yeah. quite firmly. Yeah. Uh, I read some analysis from RBC Capital saying that perhaps they did that a little bit too swiftly, that they might not get an improved offer yeah. uh, and that it could you know, be a negative. There's others that say, look, no doubt there'll be another offer coming. What's your sense? Uh, so the sense is from the company's point of view, they don't really want an offer. They yeah. believe that this is not a time to be selling the business. They've had some COVID issues to deal with. They're just in the process of going into the cloud where they believe there will be a, a re-rating of the multiple that the business will, that the market will value the business on. Um, uh, I, you know, like the Autodesk were in talks for six months with Altium about a partnership before they changed okay. their minds and went for M&A. It would amaze me if six months of talks put together the financial case for a $5 billion bid make the bid and then walk away. It, it would be unheard of. Mm -hmm. You know, the first bid is never, well, very, very rarely the last. And the companies always normally, you know, they never yeah. accept the first bid. It's very unusual, so. So as an Altium shareholder, yeah. you're holding on for an yeah. improved offer? I, I actually think it's a buy at these levels um, because um, I think from what I understand in terms of the rationale of why Autodesk is interested in Altium, the fact that there are other players that have also been having partnership mm -hmm. discussions, not M&A, but partnership with Altium. Altium is seen as being the dominant player mm -hmm. in this ECAD area. And, you know, it's now trading well below the bid price. And this is a trade buyer. It's not PE yeah. or something. So it gives you a good read of where, you know, Autodesk has got a good track record of acquiring businesses. So, and, and I, I think even if the transaction doesn't occur, it's a great business to own. You know, yep. you're paying 10% more than where it was before the bid now. Okay, so that's a bonus buy coming from Ben for Altium. And if I just rewind to our stock of the day, Iris, that would be a hold. hold. Yeah, yep. a hold. Okay, thanks for that, guys. Let's get back on track. We'll get to some of those companies that have been nominated by you. Len, this one's for you. I'm going to start in WA because, of course, it's Carnarvon Petroleum. With you, Carl, saying it seems to have lost momentum. Len's wondering after a big oil dis gas discovery in the Northwest. So what do you think? Yeah, it's not uncommon, uh, Nadine, for companies to lose momentum, certainly in terms of their price action after the big discovery and then in that often significant lead time until we get into production. 
Uh, so the exploration success was um, Len's probably referring to is uh, probably to do with Dorado, which is their their biggest uh, project, their most prospective project. And uh, you know it is it is quite a large discovery and potentially uh, a significant producer for them down the track. But we are so early in the process, as in they are doing the engineering for the um, offshore platform uh, vessels to then um, store and process, et cetera, et cetera. So we're just doing the engineering. We haven't even got a, a final investment decision yet. That's expected early next year. And then if we do get to production, that's expected sometime in 2026. And as I said, often markets, um, investors get a little bit bored in that huge lead out time uh, until we start to get some cash flows and profits, et cetera, et cetera. And they go chase other shiny things, which I think is the problem for Carnarvon. The chart's certainly collecting that. It's, it's had a bit of a pop up, yes. And then it's um, sort of just drifting back very slowly, enough to put it into a short term downtrend, which for me tells me there's not a lot of excitement in the in the in the short term. There are look, they're an active explorer. They've got some really interesting projects going in places where they have had discoveries in the past. So if there's going to be upside in the near term, it will be from though that exploration success. But the question is then do you just hang on on the basis yeah. that one day an announcement comes out and this and there it is. So look, it's not a buy for me, just given that the trends aren't indicating that there's a lot of interest out there at this time and it doesn't have any revenues and no cash flow, so you can't really value it on a fundamental basis either. Yeah, right. And so Ben, I think to Carl's point, you know, the company raised $50 million late last year. This is so capital intensive. Yeah, very expensive. And drilling offshore and deep water is extremely expensive and a lot can go wrong. Look, I'm not an expert on this space, but I had a quick flick at it through it. I think there is, from what I worked out, there's a big drilling outcome late this year to early next year around that Dorado mm -hmm. early discovery. So, um, and they've sort of said, you know, if it's successful, it firms up the case to go to production. But it's it's always one of those binary things. And when I say binary, it's never 50-50. The odds are always against you. But there's a lot of upside if you do get that 10%, 90% sort of payoff. Um, other prospects are a long way off. Um, Carl's right, like even if this drilling outcome is really successful, it's still a long way yeah. off producing. I'm a sell. And then you throw the oil price and machinations in there as well. There's a lot that can happen. It's got a lot of cash, which is one thing going in its favour. It's got 100 mil. All right. So that's Carnarvon Petroleum for you, Len. New energy solar. So on the sort of opposite spectrum of energy <laughs> generation, we've got a question from Chen on NEW. Recently, it sold its two Australian solar farms and it's now focusing entirely on the US market. It said that the environment for solar here in Australia was just not very conducive in terms of policy. So, Ben, we talk a lot about ESG. Uh, we talk a lot about this transition to renewables. Yeah. Uh, solar, we know the sun still shines. Yeah. Uh, would you be interested in investing in a US-focused solar company? Um. Maybe, but I wouldn't, this isn't the one I would choose. I've got to sell on this one as well. So, you know, again, I've sort of, this is one of the businesses that came out at Evans and Partners. Mm -hmm. We've, some of these have had real issues. Um, this is kind of had issues. They're trying to fix the issues. So they're flogging off non-core assets. They're trying to um, uh, destaple the stabilized trust structure. There's a labyrinth of fees and complexity that they're trying to unwind. I think a lot of Evans Partners clients are kind of stuck in this. Uh, the net asset value, so what they um, believe their assets are worth is $1.21 per share. Um, however, when you look at that transaction that you just spoke about, Nadine, they were sold at quite a decent discount to asset backing, plus you've got transaction costs. 
plus the assets are still geared at 61%, um, which says to me, do not use the asset value being told as a guide. It's probably lower. Um, and, you know, I just, you know, the, the portfolio apparently performed below expectations in the half year. I couldn't see anything here okay. that I would want to invest in. Too hard, Basket. All right. How about for you, Carl? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, it, it probably is, even after all the things Ben's talked about, it's probably a very small discount to uh, net asset value. But I'm just looking at the chart now, probably not enough to get me excited. It's, it is a very big long-term downtrend. We saw the chart just on screen a little while ago. There's been a very short-term uptick. A little bit of interest, not enough, not enough to get me excited. Uh, the, the fundamentals are very opaque. As Ben said, it's quite a complex structure and you can't actually go in and see the cash flows within the business. They took a big hit during COVID because um, with their exposure in the US, energy, energy prices pretty much collapsed because business, you know, business ground to a halt. So look, some of that's going to back out. It'll get a bit better. But yeah, look, I'm going to cut a long story short here. And Nadine, I don't think this is the one uh, in the space. So it's a pass from me. Okay. Uh, let's get on to the next on the list, Pacific Current Group Pack. This is for Ed. Uh, do you know this company well, Ben? I, I, I used to know it. It used to be called Treasury Group. Yeah. I was actually, I saw it and I was like, I've never heard of that. Yeah. And then it's changed its name. Um, so this company sort of owns stakes in fund managers. That's mm -hmm. its kind of job. Um, comparables are Pinnacle, which mm -hmm. is doing really well, and Fedante, which is owned by Challenger. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, th these can be interesting businesses. Um, it looks very cheap. It's trading on 10.5 times forward earnings, 6% fully frank dividend yield, but it's had pretty flat revenue growth for some time, um, um, which maybe sort of warrants the price. The, the, the thing that dri will, drives and will drive these companies' earnings, uh, you know, so it owns maybe 15 different fund managers, 10% of one, 30% of mm -hmm. another. Its main one is called Q, sorry, GQG, which I'd never heard of. I think it's US based. That's nearly two thirds of their fund. And what the earnings will depend on is the flows into these various fund managers. So whether there's money going in or being pulled out and performance fees, how well the managers are performing because mm -hmm. that gets pushed up to the equity holders. Um, so you re I think you really, with this one, you've got to do your work on Q. GQG mm -hmm. and sort of work out whether you want to own in turn that um, that business. I'm not sure about that. I'm going a hold sitting on the fence. Okay. It looks cheap enough um, and to sort of warrant a second look. I just had to read the broker notes on this one because I wasn't overly familiar with it either. Uh, look, some value in the business. It's giving. It's pivoting into private markets. Uh, one of the brokers saying that investor patience is required. It's expecting to grow its management fee profitability, <clears throat> and that uh, they've worked on efficiencies in corporate expenses, and that that does seem sustainable. So, I don't have anything more to add on that. What do you think? Do we have him? Sorry, nope. Sorry. I had, yeah, there you go. I had, I, I had, there was some noise outside. The we window, heard so that noise outside. I, I, Sounds I, exciting yeah, where so you are. That's go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're talking about uh, PAC and the, the, this, uh, they're sort of investing various funds, but uh, but some of them are just financial services businesses as well. Uh, some of them involved in deal flow. I've just put in my notes here, sort of in the summary where I go at the end, what do I think? You know, it, it's a bull market, stupid, dot, dot, dot. And, you know, it, it, it it's probably uh, a conducive market for them to continue to do well. As Ben said, they're not particularly expensive. I mean, they, they look really, really cheap down here. Um, and, you know, we are in a bull market. So, 
probably more tailwinds than headwinds in terms of earnings. The chart kind of uh, reflects the fact that um, 2020 wasn't a great year for, for, for a lot of businesses, um, but you know it's starting to turn up towards the end. I'm with Ben, I can't call this a buy with any great confidence because um, because it's investing in businesses you can't then go do a lot of analysis on, um, it, it's kind of opaque. So if you had it, I would hold onto it on the basis that it looks really cheap. But if you didn't have it, I can't be a buyer here, Nadine, sorry. No, that's okay. There's other ways that you can use your money, always, isn't there? And perhaps that is Macquarie Group. This one is for Richard. Now, we can talk to the cows come home, really, about Macquarie Group. We had a bit of news this week that they've divested their Atlantic Aviation Division to KKR for $4.475 billion in cash. So there's obviously a pretty uh, pretty strong environment for some of these infrastructure assets, and Macquarie is well placed in that regard. Carl, through which prism do you look at Macquarie? <laughs> yeah, remember what I said about the last one. Uh, it's a bull market, stupid, dot, dot, dot. And that's when Macquarie tends to do the best, uh, when there are lots of deals and lots of cash sloshing around the, the world looking for places to go. And that's where Macquarie does its best. Look, in terms of um, the valuation, it's not the cheapest uh, stock out there, but I would stick with it just on the basis that it is such a, a, a well-run company in the right environment at this point in time. I think the chart looks pretty good, not fantastic. And I think that's kind of reflecting the fact that it's so well-run. It's got so many opportunities in front of it, but it's a little bit fully priced. Um, so again, I think if you've got it 100%, you've got to hang on to it. If you don't have it, I think there are better opportunities out there just for that dollar you're looking to invest right now. So does it, in your view as well, Ben, come down to price or is Macquarie one of those businesses that you can pretty much count if you're holding for the long term that you're going to make money? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I've got to buy. Um, the, the Macquarie, you know, they've just reported, of mm -hmm. course. Um, they had a, a really strong result. And actually, this is normally a good time to buy it because Macquarie have a track record of um, beating expectations and guiding low. So they give cautious, you know, and they did it again, cautious outlook statement, um, get expectations down somewhat. And then, you know, they typically will come out and beat those expectations over the year. So the, the, the price has had a bit of a dip as it's gone ex-div and also, you know, a bit more. The market seems to forget every single time they report that they do this. Mm -hmm. um, so good time to buy it, I think. Um, you know, as Carl was saying, the market's strong. Uh, you know, and I think the areas that Macquarie has really carved out for themselves in specialties are infrastructure and, and green, you know, green energy. Yeah. I think that's going to become a huge part of the business. We see Macquarie really as more a funds management business. A lot of people I know compare it to the banks, which I think is a mistake. I would compare it more to like Magellan or Platinum or businesses like that, it's where the bulk of the earnings come from fun. And you know, it's trading on 18 times forward, which isn't overly expensive when you compare it to some of those sort of companies. 3.5% yield, ROE's back over 14%, which is good. Best in class, I think it's a buy. Okay, so it's a buy from Macquarie. Did any of the gloss come off? I mean, they've had some bad press lately in terms yeah. of the Newix yeah. listing and then KeyPath. I yeah. mean, whether or not KeyPath is um, struggling in part uh, because of just a few doubts being raised about yeah. how these things have come to market. Yeah, it's a good question, Adina. I, I think they have, you know, slightly tarnished the brand. Um, and Macquarie are, you know, speaking to people, mates and stuff who work there, paranoid about the brand and keeping the brand you know, at that really top sort of tier. So 
Having said that, um, that the float was sold to institutions, I'm talking about Newix mm -hmm. here, a select group of institutional holders. And there's the old saying in markets, caveat emptor, buyer beware. And it's not like this was a, a float that was sold to mums and dads widespread across the country who have all then had a bad experience. Um, the other thing I'd say is that, that, that although you know there's all the talk about how bad it's been, which it has, those fund managers doubled their money in the first week and they had plenty of liquidity and opportunity to sell down if they if they chose to do so. So um, it's not it hasn't been a great look, um, but I don't think it's a reason that you get negative on the shares. All right. These things do happen. Uh, Macquarie Group, that was for you, Richard. Thanks for writing in. And don't forget to say it once once an hour. Uh, it's information only. So this is not advice. This is not financial advice that's been tailored to your own circumstances. So you do need to do your own research and uh, take your own considerations in potentially with a financial advisor. Um, let's get to number five. I am so good for timing today. National Storage REIT, NSR. This is for Simon. He just says, you know, what's the opinion of the company, which is a place to start, but also is it worth taking up and holding on to the entitlement offer at $2 for share. Ben, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a really sort of strong area of the market yeah. to be invested in right now. So National Storage REIT to start, what do you make of the business and where it's headed? Good business. Um, it's coming to really dominate the space. It's actually made 27 site acquisitions just in the last year. They spent $375 million, which is why they're doing the raising to get their debt levels back down. I think they've carved out a really good niche for themselves. We're, we're all living in smaller and smaller dwellings. Um, we're all getting more and more stuff and um, we need somewhere to store it, you know, and ultimately you want somewhere that's close to you um, because, you know, if you have to go back and forth and get things and there's not a lot of options and these guys really are starting, you know, sort of taking on that space. Look, they we've, we've had a full update with this raising. They slightly upgraded their earnings guidance Occupancy rates 87% at the moment. Um, I think a good metric for this one is what they're charging. So they're getting 260 a square metre at the moment. That was 247 a square metre in December. Yeah. And the value of these sites, like, you know, you speak to guys who work in industrial and commercial property, the market is going nuts. You think the residential market's strong? It's, this is leaving it in its, um, in its, in its rearview mirror sort of stuff. So um, they own a lot of very good sites around the major cities, um, there's probably some value uplift in there as well. And now what do you think of the company, uh, Carl, if you look at the charts or fundamentally, because yeah, to Ben's point, we've all got too much stuff and storage is exy. Like if you've ever looked into it, it's really expensive unless you want to go way up the coast and store it. Yeah, look, it's, uh, as Ben says, it's a, it's a very, very, very solid business. My only complaint, I can't really add much to the fundamentals in terms of what Ben has said, but my only complaint would just be in the valuation. I think it's closer to um, fully valued than it is to cheap. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a pass for me on that basis. The chart is very, very flat. It's very sideways. Um, uh, it, it's it's almost completely flat on both the short and long-term trends. So that indicates to me that, you know, there's not a lot of, interest out there in taking this um, much higher in the near term uh, so with a yeah fully valued stock without much of an uptrend or interest i have to uh, i have to let that one go so that's on valuation but the second part ben of simon's question is is it worth taking up and holding onto the entitlement at two dollars per share 
Okay, so that really, it, I, I would say probably yes, because it's a discount to the current share price. So you're getting it two bucks, I think it's 208. Um, you know, it's gonna pay eight and a half cents, I think in, 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 in a dividend this year. So it's, it's on quite a nice yield. But it really comes down to how much he's already got in it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's quite 30 grand, so that's quite meaningful for a lot of people. Um, you, I wouldn't, you know, I think keep your waiting at what you want. You're not getting a, a big enough discount to warrant kind of going all in on this. Um, so think about what percentage you want. And if you feel like you're a bit underweight, then maybe chip a bit more into mm -hmm. it. Yeah, that's to my point about, you know, looking at your own personal circumstances and getting advice if you need it, Simon. So that takes us to number five on the list. Let's get you through the first five stocks. Just a quick summary and stock of the day. We started with Iris going gangbusters today. Looks like there's somebody out there wanting a piece of the company. Uh, ben says, hold it. Uh, it is got, you know, some structural headwinds at this time, but it's a good business. It's a solid business. He uses it every day. Uh, now, Carl says also hold it. It's um, far less attractive today on price than it was yesterday. He's not a buyer at these prices. Uh, just to get a bonus buy in there from Ben, it was LTM because we were talking about the tech space and M&A and the tech space. And he says, uh, it looks good even if there isn't a takeover offer on the table. It's still a solid business. All right, on to what you would like to know about. Len, for you, Carnarvon Petroleum, it is a sell for Ben. He says, look, it's a binary outcome and uh, the odds are stacked against you. It's just so expensive to get these projects up and running and producing. And that's what Carl says as well. The trend is not your friend with this one. It's not a buy for him. It's just so long term to start getting to the production side of the the stick okay new energy solar it's a sell for carl kapulinga think markets in perth he says there's just not enough there to get him excited uh, ben also says it's a sell it's just too much hard work with this company look it's got a lot of baggage a lot of history and uh, there's better places that you can look to make a profit pacific current group pack for ed um, yeah, the market dynamics working in this company's favor. It's got some tailwinds, uh, more tailwinds than headwinds in Carl's view, but it's a bit opaque to him. He is just going to keep it as a hold because it looks pretty cheap. Ben also says it looks pretty cheap from TMS Capital, but what you really need to do is do the research into the fund that it has most holdings in in the US, which might be a bit hard to do. It is though looking cheap. It's a hold for him if you already have it, but Ed, it's not a buy now from either of my guests. Macquarie Group, it's a buy for Ben, okay? So he says it's a good time to buy. It has a history of under-promising, over-delivering, and it looks to be pushing and getting stronger in green energy, which is a big thematic. It's a hold though for Carl because he's looking at the price. It's got a lot of deal, lots of cash. He says, yeah, it's a bull market. <clears throat> Stupid, pretty much is what he was saying. But again, it comes down to price for him. National storage read again, valuation. Carl is sticking with the figures. He's passing it on price. It's a good solid business, but you know, it's all about where it goes to from here. Ben says it's a good business. It's carved at a niche. Was that a hold? Hold. Yeah, it's a hold for Ben. And if you're considering the SPP, you need to do, uh, you know, your, your due diligence when it comes to your weighting to the company. You don't want to be overexposed to that thematic or the company itself in particular. So that's a bit of a sum up. Let's get you across the portfolio that we've been tracking since July 1st of last year. Thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. As you know, and we haven't had it happen today, if these two guys or girls uh, agree on putting a company as a buy, 
then it gets put into the portfolio. So here's how we've been performing over the week up by a tenth of a percent, the month three and a half percent, full year to date about 33%. So that's not bad. Some of the companies that we've added recently, A2 Milk, bit surprising. Would you be buying A2 Milk then? Yes. Yes? Yeah. Because it's so cheap? Yeah, I think it's cheap. I think, um, you know, if you're looking for businesses that are going to benefit from a reopening of borders, this is one of the, the biggest ones. Um, um, and, you know, I, I, I think you, this is the time when we're getting a fair bit of tax loss selling and, you know, fund managers sort of wanting to flush out some of the losers for the year. So it's, it's, I think it's a good time to look at it. Carl, I've got to get your view on A2 Milk because there are some in terms of looking at the charts that would say, do not catch a falling knife. I agree with that one. I think you know that, that's what's that's what's wonderful about this show, and that's what what's wonderful about the market. The market uh, contains people who don't agree. Uh, I don't think it's cheap. I think it's still really expensive. I think it'll be cheap below four, around about three fifty, and the trend suggests that the market is agreeing with me. Um, it looks horrific on the chart. It, it continues to do so. All right. I like a little bit of controversy. That's why I did that. A2 Milk, New Hope <laughs> Corporation, Santos, GPT Group, and Bika Cheese have been put in lately. Uh, you can find out all of the companies that we have in the Coles portfolio. You just have to go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Yeah, differing opinions it what is what makes a market. All right, I believe that we were just going to foreshadow what we will be talking about a little bit later on today. We'll be speaking with Mighty Craft. It's making a play for Adelaide Hills with three new acquisitions in the regions today. We'll be speaking with its CEO a little bit later. That is about 1.10 p.m here on Ausbiz. All right, our guys here have had a chance to regroup. Let's crack on with it. Carl, I'm gonna start with you. Jenison Education, the reason I do is because its share price has surged significantly over the past year and the year to date performance looking really good as well. So it's in that online education uh, space, but you know, on price alone, would you be buying this one? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the technicals, you have to buy it. I think it um, looks really, really strong. So uh, as you say, it's had a very good run. But for me, that tells me that there is more demand than there is supply in the market. And the market is made up of people like uh, Ben, like myself, like other people that come on Ausbiz who are very, very intelligent, and do very uh, good research. Uh, they then go tell their dealing disc that we like this one and we'd like to buy it. Um, if they already have it in their portfolios, they tell their dealing disc, don't you dare sell that one. So what we get is we get more demand, less supply, and the price tends to head up. Bottom left, top right um, indicates to me that the market does like this one uh, and the candles and the price action all looks good. It's probably the most exciting one we've talked about so far on the show uh, when we've been talking about, you know, storage REITs and, and things like that. <laughs> very, very boring. <laughs> um, but but these, so these guys do the, the NAPLAN tests. Um, so everybody would, would know. The kids, uh, if you're in years three, five, seven and nine, have probably sat that one already. And uh, they pulled it off. They pulled it off this year largely without a hitch. Um, so that's a really a good news story for them. But it's, it's more than just NAPLAN. They do have, um, they do service uh, governments and businesses all over the world, um, including uh, an, an OECD program that they're rolling out across the 38 member countries. Um, growth metrics look amazing i think that's what the market likes about this one and that's why it's doing so well because they're at that point 
Uh, it's like a, a, a hockey stick sort of um, movement now in their, in their annualised revenue at this point. So um, great numbers. Uh, the only thing I would counsel is that it's not the cheapest stock at this point in time. I think I don't think it's expensive either. I think it's probably about the right value. But hey, you know, when, when there is that growth, uh, sniff of growth out there, markets can get excited and we could see this continue to push on. Uh, we've, we've got a buy on it. We've had a buy on it for a little while here at Think, Think Markets and I would certainly retain that buy. Hmm. Okay. Good one. Ben, what do you think? Because yes, OECD, NAPLAN, my daughter said it this year. Um, but it, what's the moat uh, for these companies? I mean, we saw a yeah. lot of online, uh, you know, sh- shift to online, IDP education, key path that's just listed. I mean, yep. what is special then about Janison, if anything? Well, that's a good question, Nadine. And that's something I think you've got to go and do your work on. I mean, I'd, to be honest, I'd never really looked or heard of Janison. Um, and I agree with Carl, this was one of the best stocks I, you know, when I was looking through their presentation, there's a lot of things that tick the boxes for us. Um, what, I, I think there is a scale thing here, you know, and there's a security thing and there's, um, you know, the technology that you need these days. There's a lot of upfront investment to be able to roll out these platforms on, on mass to mass users. Um, so maybe that's kind of their moat, but you're, you know, there, it is a competitive space as well. We know um, the education, fin- the, fi- the technology education sector, everyone's eyeing it off. These guys operate in over 150 countries. They do 10 million exams a year across those countries. So there's certainly the scale there. And it's not just schools, it's things like the chartered accountants when they do their exams, the, um, the University of London uses them to do their exams. Uh, multi-year contracts. The, the metric I really like was their recurring revenue has grown 500% in the last five years and their gross margin has gone from 46 to 54% in the last half. That's spectacular sort of stuff. So, um, it's not cheap. Um, it's trading on 100 times next year's earnings, 50 times the following year's earnings. But I'm going to... Look, it's not one I'd walk away and buy because you'd need to do more work, but in the spirit of the show, I'd say buy. Yeah. Well... I like the spirit of the show. Yep, yep. And I Gotta like be. that we've put something on your <laughs> on radar. The, on the, and on the, le- on the it, new portfolio. It's in the portfolio. Yeah. Well, there you go. So it's a buy and it's a buy. It's going in the portfolio. Um, I like when our guests say, yeah, I've had to go away. And this, this, this show's put something on my radar. So you know that Ben's going to go away. Because you guys don't mind buying growth. Oh, I'd love, if, you know, you know yeah, if absolutely. If it's justified. All yeah, right. And, I, you know, we also don't mind paying 100 times earnings if we think, you know, yeah. earnings are going to double and then double again. You're paying 25 times three years out. It's just about being a long-term investor and still being there when, because these things, these shares will move violently. Um, 100 times PE stocks are much more volatile than 20 times PE stocks. Mm-hmm. So you just need to be aware of that. Did you want to add something there, Carl? Yeah, look, I mean, and that, and, that, and I, I have the same sort of time frame. So when I have, I have this uh, fancy spreadsheet where I, I put in all the all the numbers, and then I'm looking three years out. Um, with when I say something, so for viewers, if I say something's cheap or expensive, it's taking that sort of three three year view. Um, but when you take that long term of view, uh, as Ben would probably agree, execution risk really comes into it. So then you need to actually do some uh, work on the company and see what their track record is and have some confidence that management can pull it off. And if you look at what these guys have pulled off over the last few years and where they're at this stage of the journey, I've got plenty of confidence that they can pull this off. So I'm, I'm happy to pay, I mean, and he's quite correct, 100 times this year's earnings because I think the execution risk is low and therefore um, it's, it's really, to me, 20 times three years out. Mm-hmm. 
Good one. All right, going in the portfolio. Unity Group is the next on the list from Tony. Look, this one gets a lot of attention from you know those that are interested in small caps. Carl, can I start with you with Unity? It's uh, it's essentially internet service provider, correct? Yeah. Look, look. Uh, well, it's it's a bit more than that. So they do um, in all the new sort of estates. Yeah. They get. They connect us, or us, they connect you from the um, NBN to the house. So they do that last little, so they're the, um, the last mile. Yeah, yeah they, 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 they connect the infrastructure. They own the infrastructure, um, obviously take a clip off that. They have a, a broader um, sort of uh, telecommunication services business for um, business and governments. And then they, they have the retail side of things as well. So it's quite a well-rounded uh, business in the space and they've been doing very, very well. So great earnings growth, um, great cash flows. Uh, it, 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 it just ticks a lot of boxes for me. Um, I'm just looking at my valuations here and it, it, it it's, yeah, look, it's on the better side of um, of good value, but it's not exactly a screaming bargain at this stage. But uh, but given that given the growth in the business, I'm happy to to, to go with it. Um, the chart I think reflects that. If we're talking about bottom left, top right charts, uh, this one certainly qualifies as that. And and again, uh, I would counsel viewers not to be afraid of looking at that chart that looks astronomical. Uh, and go, well, it's too expensive, I can't buy it, I've missed it. That the market likes the stock for a reason and for many of the reasons I've discussed. So it's it's probably more, if you see that that bottom left, top right, look for pullbacks. So you don't have to be the person that pays the, the top print. Wait, wait for the pullback. I, I think that level is probably sub three, maybe $2.90 to $3.00. Uh, in that zone, and that's where maybe you can pick it back a little cheaper. If I have to give you a buy, hold, sell for the portfolio, putting aside short-term pullbacks, I still think it's a buy. Okay, there we go. Now it's over to you. Will we have two in the portfolio today? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, what do you think? Because again, do you mind paying for growth if you believe that it's going to come through in the long term? No, I'm, I'm going to buy on this one as well. Um, we actually formed Bowen, the guy behind this business, um, came and presented to us um, in May. So we had a, it was one of the best presentations I've seen in years. Um, I, I've never met Fawn before. He was behind M2 Telecommunications. He's a freak um, and, and very good track record in the telco sector and incredibly passionate about this business. And um, Carl's right, you know, they, they, they found this unique space where they provide the telco infrastructure but it's also things like foxtel free-to-air video you know if someone ameriton goes and builds a massive new block mm -hmm. they need someone to come in and do all of the telco stuff now the default player is the mbn who give you shocking service um you know time frames are bad uh etc and you have to continually deal with them if there's a problem unity is really the only other player in this space of any sort of size so um They've got that, then they've got the greenfield development, so you know people building house and land packages and that kind of thing. Um, Vaughan told us that there's 110,000 new dwellings constructed per annum in these greenfield developments. So that is a huge potential market for them. Um, and this is the biggest stat he left us with, was that over the next five years, without doing a thing, and what he means by that is the the contracts that they've already signed with the houses that are currently being built where they are going to soon get a four six hundred dollar mm -hmm. a year um, infrastructure charge their EBITDA is going to increase 120 to 150 million 
dollars okay. without doing a thing. Um, and then you've got the growth that is going to come on top of that. So it's expensive, but it warrants it. Well, that's a buy. Unity Group for you, Tony, it's going in the portfolio. Michael Hill is the next one on the list. This is for Wong. MHJ is the ticker code. Look, Ben, I'll start with you on this one because like the consensus is, is that this company has done really well through the pandemic. And I know that it's going to be cycling through all of yeah. the comps, yep, yep, right? Yep. But I mean, it, it's, it's looking like it's got a multifaceted in one person's view growth strategy and that there's the potential for solid growth in revenues going forward. What do you think? Yeah, I, look, I'm going to go hold. Um, the company in the past has been a shocker, yep. um, but a new CEO has come in and what does has done what looks like an incredible transformation in that if you actually look over the last year, revenue is actually slightly fallen, um, but he's got the earnings, EBIT, up 66% during that time and cash has gone from $400,000 to $90 million on the balance sheet. So um, it's from... That sounds extraordinary. I was amazed when I looked at this presentation. So that's from working capital improvements, inventory management. So it's the nuts and the bolts Mm -hmm. of the business. The market still doesn't like it. It's trading on seven times next year's earnings, going up to 10 times FY23. So the market's actually saying the earnings are going to fall quite substantially. Um, Only two analysts cover it. So always be a bit wary with consensus when there's only a couple of analysts looking at it. They could be wrong and they might not have updated for a while. I'll say a hold because it's cheap. There's a guy, or I don't even know a woman or man in there who's really done a great job in turning this business around and that could continue even without any revenue growth. Um, But, you know, it's a tough business, I think, ultimately. Well, it's a tough business, but Carl, we're cashed up. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of savings in our bank accounts and sometimes you just want to, well, give a gift either to someone else or maybe yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah. You mentioned it was a multifaceted business, Nadine. (laughs) Is that a little pun there with the diamonds and facets and things maybe? (laughs) Boom, boom. I I like it. I I think it's, uh, I think it's, look, Ben said it's cheap and it is, I mean, it's really, really cheap. So either I'm right and it's really cheap or it's what Ben said and the market's expecting earnings to decline and therefore it's not as cheap. I I reckon I'm going to be right on this one. I think it's it's got a pretty good growth runway going forward. Uh, 600,000 members on its loyalty program. That just means sort of, you know, easy ticking over organic growth, you know, improve their online offering due to COVID. But hey, savings are high, spending's high, and yeah, I can't see why we can't see another year two, maybe even more of that. And then it starts to justify uh, my thesis that it's starting to look really cheap and it gets a re-rating by the market. Uh, so yeah, look, I'm definitely a buy here. I think the, the chart looks very good, actually. So yes, it had, uh, you know, potentially a, a tough year during COVID, but it's bounced back so well. And, you know, short-term uptrend, long-term uptrend, higher peaks, higher troughs, nice candles, a little consolidation zone around 80, I think gives you the um, chance to get in before that next little burst up to the $1 level. So it is a buy for me. All right. Michael Hill for Wong. Let's get to the next one. This is MFF Capital Investments. MFF is the ticker code for Damien. I love a little constructive criticism from our viewers. Basically, we covered MMF on the call earlier, but he didn't think that we really did it justice. Said that um, it seems like a lick, 
but it's not. So I hope that you both have done your research and I'm not disparaging anybody who talked about this one before. However, Carl, what do you think of MMF Capital Investing? It's run by Magellan's co-founder, Chris Mackay, um, but this uh, viewer is saying it's not really a Magellan stock anymore. Uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, I don't get into uh, personalities. That's not my, my style. So I'm not going to buy something because of a personality. I, I need to look at the nitty gritty, the earnings that are in the business. And it's hard. Again, we talked about um, opaque before with uh, New Energy and Pacific. This one is completely clear as to as to what it is, because the, they, they publish their, their top uh, 20, top 30 holdings. And uh, for example, Visa is 15% of their portfolio. MasterCard is 14%. That's interesting because 30% in two credit cards payment systems. That's interesting in itself. Amazon's third with 9.4%. Home Depot, Facebook, Alphabet. Uh, look, they've got some great companies in there without a doubt. And when you're buying this, this when you're buying a share in this asset, you're really getting a, a, a smaller share in all of the assets that it owns. I would suggest you um, have a look at that list and make sure that you are comfortable in owning that list. And if, and if you look at this as a way to, um, well, that's a really neat portfolio. I wouldn't mind being able to get that by just paying one bit of brokerage and having somebody who maybe I think is very clever managing it for me, then by all means, go for it. It's not really my style. So uh, for that reason, I would pass. I prefer to go and pick the stocks myself, but that's just what we do over here at Think Markets. Ben, any view on MMF? Well, you've got to give me a view on MMF Capital Investments. What is it? I'm going to go buy. Um, yes. so, um, so what was the the caller's name? Damien. Or? Damien. So Damien's right is that this is not Magellan linked at all. This was once a part of Magellan, but when Chris basically left the Magellan mm -hmm. business, he's still the largest, uh, second largest shareholder, he um, retained this and it retains a research relationship with Magellan where there's kind of, I think, a mate's agreement that he can still access Magellan research. I think they pay a million bucks a quarter or something for that right. But there's virtually no fees other than that in this. So this is actually one of the cheapest licks that you can invest in on the market. Um, I reckon the best way to think about this is it's almost like Chris Mackay's family office in a way, mm -hmm. and you're sort of investing alongside him because he has got a lot of money in this. Um, the reason the Visa and MasterCard holdings are so big is that they have a huge capital gain against them. And um, they, um, I think, sort of thought, we still really like the long-term outlooks of the business. I would say, that, you know, it's easy to be critical, but they did liquidate about half of the portfolio at almost the worst possible time during COVID. And they've now gone back to 100% invested. That wasn't that great a move, you know, but people have done worse. But I think if you look at the, the stocks that are in this portfolio, top quality stuff, stuff that's very hard to access on the Australian Stock Exchange, um, the NTA is the most important thing to mm -hmm. look at. So the pre-tax NTA is 313. So that's what the value of the portfolio is divided by the number of shares. The post-tax NTA, I think is about $2.70 or 272, <coughs> which, and the reason the gap's so big is because there's such a big capital gain against those Visa and MasterCard shares. Um, so, you know, some people sort of think, oh, you should use the post-tax NTA. Some people think, well, they're not gonna liquidate the portfolio to use pre, but it definitely looks cheap because um, it's right at the bottom end of the range of those two. Mm -hmm. Obviously, buy. Buy for you, Damien, MFF. Now, the final company on the list, we go full traditional here. Um, one of the blue chips in, uh, in the Australian market for many, many years, QBE Insurance. 
this one, obviously, insurance, you know, often, well, people say, why would you be in it? Because there's so many uncertainties. But just checking in on the broker coverage, I mean, buys and outperforms mm. pretty much across the board. Mm. Uh, so are those justified, Ben? The fundies are getting really keen on this yeah. one as well. Um, um, I'm going to go sell, um, but I'm going to preface that by saying there's a lot of talk about inflation. We're all hearing about it. There's a lot of talk about rates going higher faster than expected. If that plays out, this is one of the stocks you really want to own mm -hmm. because QBE... Bonds go up. Yep, yep. bonds go up. That It's the biggest swing factor to their earnings is what return they can get on their premium pool. Um, and small changes in interest rates make massive differences, particularly when the interest rates are so low because um, they're virtually getting a zero return in the current environment. If that goes to one or two, it's all upside for QBE. Uh, I'm saying sell because I'm not in the camp that this is a structural change in inflation. Um, you know, I, I think this is something that will pass and you want to actually buy the companies that are being sold off on concerns around inflation. And I also think QBE track record has been appalling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've just lurched from one disaster to the next over the last 15 years and you might even get the interest rate side wrong and then another announcement comes out that there's a problem in South America or God knows yeah. where and, um, and and it's another setback for the business. There's also been a rotation of CEOs and that hasn't been in good circumstances mm -hmm. in both cases. So sell. Yep. All right. Well, I like to see you going your own way against the, uh, the brokers and the fundies. I got a view on inflation from Ben as well. I didn't even have to ask the question. I've been asking the question <laughs> at nauseum. So how does the broader macro environment play into your view on QBE, Carl? Yeah, well, hey, it is about broad macros for a stock like this. It's an insurance company, so it takes takes our money and invests it fairly long term. And hence, when bond yields go up, that's when it tends to uh, earn more money on those. Uh, hey, if we have an, an accident or a farmer loses a crop or whatever it is because a hurricane comes through, uh, it has to pay out. Um, it's, it's paid out less because of COVID, uh, and, and that trend will probably continue in the very near term. Uh, it's been able to raise its premiums, so um, so we've got more revenue, we've got less payouts, and we've got more earnings on the stuff we're holding in the meantime. So it's kind of tick, 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 and I think that's why the market has re-rated it. Um, it's not particularly expensive at this at this uh, current price. I think there's still some upside in it, um, at, but but Ben is is nailed it it's an insurance company so it's it is going to look i don't think it's lurched from catastrophe to, to catastrophe on purpose but it gets dragged into the next catastrophe by default and that's what you have to uh, go into this eyes wide open so i think the time is good to buy it but it's only good until the next big disaster so uh, i'm a i'm a reluctant buy on this one just on evaluation and tailwinds okay well. as crazy as it sounds <laughs> Yeah, no, I get it. We've had weak buys. We've had reluctant, and we'll, we'll add reluctant buy now to the vernacular. <laughs> reluctant buy. Okay. There we go. All right. Uh, hey, listen, guys, we are doing well for time. This half of the program got off to a cracking start, didn't it? With Jen, Jenison Education, J-A-N, getting put into the portfolio. Ben says, look, it's not cheap. But on a long-term horizon, if they keep executing, this is looking really interesting. It's a buy for Carl as well. Again, it's not the cheapest, but he doesn't mind paying for quality growth and the momentum is behind it. It appears as if in this online education space, there's more demand than supply and they are executing well. Then we get to Unity Group, which is also going in the portfolio. We've got Unity Group as a buy from both the guys, management 
Ben speaks very highly of management. He's backing them and, uh, and those that are behind the group. Uh, and Carl again says it's not a bargain, but just look at the growth and there are plenty of ways that it can look to grow in the future. Michael Hill is a buy for Carl as well. He says it's really, really cheap and though and a re-rating might be on the horizon. It's a cheap one for Ben as well, but it's just a whole. The company is doing something right, but it looks to be more operational right now at least necessarily than uh, growing revenue. MFF Capital is a buy from Ben from TMS Capital. It's one of the cheapest licks out there. Think of it as investing alongside Chris Mackay in his family office and the underlying companies are solid as well. It's a pass though for Carl. It's not his style. He does his own active management. He doesn't need somebody else to do it for him. And QBE Insurance. So this is a reluctant buy for Carl Capulinga from Think Markets because it's got plenty of positives now, but it's still an insurance company. So that's the risk associated with it. It's a sell for Ben. Yes, if inflation rises, we see rate rises, QBE will benefit, but that's not actually the house view, I suppose, at TMS Capital. And it's got a shocking track record, so too hard basket for Ben. That's the program for today. So a huge thanks to you, Carl, Oven Perth, Think Markets. As always, appreciate your time. Thank you, Nadine. Lots of fun today. Yeah, really good program. Ben Clark from TMS Capital, thank you as usual as well. Thank you for watching or listening. If you do it on podcast form, you can catch up with the program online at ausbiz.com.au or via the app. If you'd like us to cover a company for you, we're at the call, ausbiz.com.au. And uh, coming right up, don't go anywhere. If you're a cryptocurrency investor or trader, make sure you stay tuned. We're joined by Jeff Yu. He is the CEO of Monochrome. So that company is offering investors exposure to crypto through conventional investment vehicles. It is the new frontier. That's at 1.30 right here. Stay with us. Market analysis coming up after the break. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.